Disclaimer time. So, the One Up Project is an educational platform providing information that is general in nature and has no intention of being financial advice. There may be opinions or an individual's experience within this resource that should not be considered as recommendations or personal advice. Everyone's financial situation is so different and you must use the information provided within the podcast at your own risk. Please complete your own due diligence before making any financial decisions based on the information within this resource. I'm not a qualified, registered or authorised financial advisor and if you require legal, financial or other expert advice, you should seek assistance from a professional advisor. Thanks guys. Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The One Up Project podcast. I'm here with the great Joshua Wang from JW Invest, the YouTube channel, just (laughs) killing it right now. And I'm looking forward to interviewing you and sort of, I guess, getting into what you're doing at the moment because we're in quite similar situations. So, hello, how are you? Hi, um, yeah, I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. Really enjoy your work. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be here and I do run a YouTube channel currently. So I left my job at PwC after three years in October 2020 and sort of just transition into making content on YouTube for the rest of the year and then reconsidering where I'll go. But chances are I'll probably look for a new role in accounting. So I'm enjoying it while it lasts and mm. yeah, really enjoying the the freedom, the the time to make stuff that I'm passionate about, relaxing for a little bit after three years of being slammed at a big four. So I'm sure that uh, you can relate to that as well. Yeah, well, for those who might not know, Josh and I are actually in very similar situations. Um, Josh having left PwC after three years and me having left after one year. So to both pursue our financial literacy dreams. <laughs> so now that you've got that under control, see me under control and enjoying <laughs> enjoying a bit of freedom, which I can definitely relate to. I am as well. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the YouTube channel itself and maybe like why you started it and what its main focus is? Yeah, the channel was created in July 2019. So I started that last year. At the time, like on YouTube, there wasn't a lot of content out there for like New Zealand stock market stuff. Like there's plenty for the US, but not not that much for New Zealand. So I saw a gap in the market and it was like retail investors in New Zealand did seem like um, infants in some way. Um, When you look at the... Um, Sharesy's Facebook group. Um, there's a lot of newbies out there um, asking questions, which which is good, facilitates discussion. And um, yeah, so I just saw a gap in the market there, thought I'd address it. So I made some videos on investing in the stock market in New Zealand, covering individual stocks mm. and also other personal finance stuff like KiwiSaver, credit cards, whatnot. So um, that's sort of how I got into it. And um, yeah, I've been investing since 2015 while I was still at uni. So yeah, at the time, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. So I thought, you know, maybe um, someone could learn off what I've, mistakes that I've made. So mm, It's interesting yeah. you got into it so um, 
young? Like, what were the motivations around that? Did you have family involved <laughs> or? Yeah, I, I guess I was influenced by my dad. Um, mm. Dad's an accountant as well. A lot of the things that I learned on investing was a lot of just Googling, self-learning and making mistakes and figuring out what my best strategy of investing would be. Yeah, definitely. I feel like making mistakes is always the best way to learn, isn't it? Mm. And I think if you're new to investing, that's the struggle. There's no one way to invest. Mm. You know, you can, there's different ways, you know, you could buy ETFs, you could pick your individual stocks, you can go for a dividend growth strategy, you can go for growth strategies. So there's a lot of different factors that you could um, consider. Um, so getting into, like, I guess, the way you choose to invest, you're quite interested in individual stock picking. What are a few things you wish you knew before you started? Yeah, so I guess the first thing is having a good, good framework to, to analyze, assess companies that you want to be investing in. I think when you when you start out investing, that's the hard bit to figure out is sort of a framework where you can unbiasedly go through a company and decide whether it's something that you'll be um, wanting to participate in the operations of the business as a part owner of the business. Having a framework removes a lot of emotion when you invest. I can see a lot of people getting attached to, for example, Tesla stock on, you know, those Facebook groups. Yeah. And um, yeah, day in, day out, all they talk about is Tesla and how they believe it's going to be the next big thing. And surely, you know, possibly it might be the next best thing. But if you don't unbiasedly assess your companies, then you can make some pretty poor decisions. Mm. Yeah. So having that framework removes that some element of emotions like I think humans are fallible and we do make mistakes because of our emotions time to time but I guess the the key thing is to try to remove as much as you can Mm. yeah for sure I suppose what like because you're you would say that you're more interested in individual stock picking over funds right yeah and so you're right humans can be I guess, victim to their own emotions, especially when looking at something like the market going up and down and Mm. you've put an amount of money in there and you're suddenly losing money and you don't know what to do about it. So for you, how do you view your own investing style? Like, Why are you more interested in individual stock picking than, say, funds? If you pick funds, it's usually a good thing if you're a beginner because that removes some emotion. And Mm. if you do a strategy like like a dollar cost average strategy, your buy-in consistently over time removes a lot of emotion out. And that's why it actually works so well mm. and why um, people who buy passive index funds tend to not underperform the market. Yeah. They will perform at the market, but they won't underperform, whereas individual yeah. stock pickers tend to underperform the market. Yeah. The reason why I do individual stock picking, on the other hand, is that if you're able to research, if you're able to do due diligence then it's always possible for uh, small retail investors like myself and others to actually outperform the market and it's that trade-off between research time spent on you know looking for the next cheap stock to buy and um, the rewards that you have right so I think a lot of people either don't have the time or the required knowledge to do that it's actually not that hard and yeah having a good like mindset and 
behaviors, I mm-hmm. guess, investing behaviors that could really um, propel your returns to, to beat the market. Yeah, definitely. And the time thing is huge. Like you could, and people obviously do have individual stock picking as their full time job. If you're mm. really going to get into it, you could spend every day, all day doing that. Yeah, pretty much. It's a it's a re- really time cu- consuming um, activity, and um, mm. sometimes it doesn't have to be that way. Mm. Um, I, I think there's like a diminishing curve, right, on time spent and the yeah, actual sure. rewards, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's people who do it on a full time basis, like analysts and all that, looking for um, cheap stocks to buy. Um, mm. But yeah, I think. For retail investors, it's possible to to do due diligence that doesn't require a lot of time mm. and still do well. But for most people, it's not the case. For most people, it's just better to buy an ETF that tracks an index. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially if you're, if you're, like you say, not willing to put in the time. I wanted to ask you about how you choose what to invest in personally. Like, do you have a style or some sort of strategy that you use? Mm, so um, Warren Buffett says, you know, you should always stay within your circle of competence. Mm. So um, my circle of competence <laughs> isn't very big, I guess. <laughs> but there's a few industries that I like that I have analyzed in the past and I've done a lot of research on. Um, the most obvious one for me is retirement villages, mm-hmm. in New Zealand at least. So the likes of Ryman Healthcare, uh, Somerset, Oceania, Avida, those are all uh, companies that I understand really well. Mm. And so there will be times in the market when those are really undervalued. Mm. So for example, during um, COVID in March, the value of all these retirement villages stock tanked, absolutely got destroyed. Ryman went from 1516 to 660. Mm. Somerset went from $8, $9 to $4. And the reason being is that, you know, they house a lot of these elderly people who are more susceptible to COVID risk. It got to a point where it was so ridiculous. Like the, the tangible assets of these companies were valued at like, say for Oceania, for example, the tangible assets of the company was valued at a dollar, right? Mm. So if the company liquidated, sold everything at market it would it would get about a dollar per share but oceania was trading at 40 cents mm. <laughs> during the um covid market crash so um those were really obvious times where um the shares were undervalued but in the past there has been moments as well so i guess having a good understanding of the industry itself has helped me to unbiasedly um, assess whether these companies undervalued or not whether they make good investments based on the price that i'm buying today and um yeah it, it, do, it leads to really good results and um yeah i'm really happy with uh returns on those on that industry in particular mm-hmm. but yeah for beginners i'd say stick to what you know um because when you don't know something that that's where you sort of make mistakes because you can't properly assess what the risks are with the business mm. And yeah, having having a good understanding will give you an edge in terms of individual stock picking. Yeah. Yeah. So where would you start if someone was wanting to research into a certain industry? How would they start to do that? 
I believe like everyone is good at at least one thing. <laughs> so if you're if you if you like, for example, I don't know, if you like shopping,、mm-hmm. if you like going to retail stores, then you can figure out. Okay, where do people shop these days? Do they go to Briscoes? Do they go to Warehouse?、Mm-hmm. And、um, yeah, I think you'll be able to quickly find businesses that are within your circle of competence. And for example, in、um, Yeah, makeup industry is big in the U.S. and there's a lot of、mm. makeup companies out there. And、um, yeah, if you understand the product, you understand the demand, the trends of certain products, then yeah, you could pro- probably make good investment decisions around finding those stocks. What would you say the obvious? And we, we've touched on a few, but what would you say the obvious risks would be around? Investing this way, and how do you combat those? Because do you invest in funds at all? So I do have investments in funds in the on my、uh, Sharesies public portfolio.、Okay. So that's a portfolio that I make that I post、uh, on YouTube. So、right. it's public for everyone to see.、Oh, okay.、Um, and the reason why I do that is because、um, the Public portfolio was meant to be something of a safer portfolio, so that you know it can give people some ideas on how to make a safer portfolio. But、mm. um, personally, on my private accounts, I don't own any funds in particular.、Mm. Like, I mean, I do own some investment funds, but they're not really like ETFs, for example. Yeah.、Um, but you know, down the road, I'll probably will when when the amount gets a bit bigger, because、yeah. then. You know, I don't want to manage the entire thing. I'll just let someone else do the job.、Mm. So that's where I'm at. Like currently, I don't have any ETFs on my private account, but possibly down the road. Yeah. So, so the risk with individual stock picking is obviously you can lose all your money if you don't invest in the right stock. So there have been companies that went bankrupt, and、mm. um, for example, I think CBL, the insurance in New Zealand,、um, went into receivership. I think this was in 2017 or 2018, and、um, yeah. So if you had all your money in there, you would be completely wiped out.、Mm. And、um, that's really a risk if you don't diversify. So diversification is of utmost importance. And、um, Warren Buffett also says that、uh, diversification is insurance for ignorance.、Mm. So two ways you could look at that. Is if you know your stuff, if you know,、um, if you're confident in your own research, then less diversification.、Uh, to Warren Buffett, at least, is okay. But if you don't have required knowledge, if you're, for example, ignorant, as Warren Buffett says, then diversification is important. But I think there's some element of ignorance that we all have. Totally. Yeah. And、um, human nature is. Bias. We always think we know、mm. the stuff, but we might be wrong. And the markets are unpredictable. Sometimes you、mm. can be wrong, even though you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so diversification is important. So, for example, for me, I actually I think I do own a portfolio that is quite well diversified.、Mm-hmm. For example, I have stocks in New Zealand, Australia, and US.、Mm. So、um, my higher conviction picks. Um, the the biggest position in my portfolio is roughly, I think, around twenty to twenty five percent of my entire portfolio. Right. And all the other stocks 
are between 15 and 15 percent and below so and so that would mean say you've got like 20 to 25 percent in a certain industry or yeah. area yeah yeah so yeah the largest position that i have is in retirement villages because as i said that's what, you know. that's what i know yeah. so so that is how i structured my portfolio and and all the other smaller positions make up you know between one to ten percent of mm. the portfolio so so that would mitigate some of the risk if for example one of the companies go bust mm. the portfolio will still be there and yeah i won't ever get wiped out in, in that sense mm. and the number one mistake that i see people make beginners especially they have that mantra of go big or go home mathematically that doesn't work because even if you're right 90 percent of the time you just need one wrong to, to get you completely wiped out. Definitely, so, yeah. yeah, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And would you, so you would say a well-diversified portfolio for you is one that invests over a range of um, different stock markets like Australia, New Zealand, yeah. US. And also different industries. Yeah. So retirement villages, banking, mm-hmm. um, retail, um, yeah, a bunch of other ones, internet stocks, especially in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also been recently um, buying cryptocurrencies as well, just to yes. diversify a little bit more outside of equities. Yeah. So cryptocurrency just gives me that hedge that, you know, if, for example, we massively adopt Bitcoin as our form of payment, mm. then at least I have some exposure to that. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. adds another level yeah. of diversification. And curious around that, how did you start? I guess, like, researching into cryptocurrency. How did you, like, approach that? Because it's quite a beast. Yeah. So it's a lot different from equities because Mm. the thing about stock market investments is that when you're investing in a company, it's usually a um, cash-generating unit in the sense that it's a business that would provide goods and services and make a profit. Some of them do, some of them some of them don't, like uh, those tech companies out there. But mm. um, most of them do produce cash flow. And over time, that should add up. And that's how the value, the capital increases over time is because they can increase the earnings of the, um, the company itself. So cryptocurrencies, on the other hand, is more like gold. Like it's a non-productive asset. It just sits there. And I guess, yeah, it, it doesn't provide any cash flow. I mean, you can argue that now there's a whole new thing about DeFi, which essentially is like cryptocurrency um, venture capitalists where you can invest your cryptos in something and you get a return. But <laughs> I'm still getting my head around yeah. that as well. But um, It's hard enough just to understand the concept. Of yeah. So I guess for cryptos, I there, how I got into it was... Um, there was news about um, more institutions getting it. So, mm-hmm. for example, Square, the payment processing company in the U.S., recently converted $50 million of their U.S. dollars into Bitcoin. Mm. And um, other firms like MicroStrategy, I think, also converted uh, $500 million of their Bitcoin, uh, of, of their money into Bitcoin for an investment. Mm. Um, Square, on the other hand, was for a different purpose, but... I can see that institutions are getting in yeah. and um, I think it was just a good time to have some exposure to Bitcoin at least. What are the most important things in terms of due diligence that people should do when looking into investing into individual stocks? Because I think we get told a lot of the time, make sure you 
research is you're like make sure you do your own personal due diligence for your own personal situation but a lot of us don't know where to start or how to approach that so what would you say for that Mm, so I actually made a video on this yesterday, published oh. on uh, a complete guide to um, investing for beginners, sort of where to start your research. Yeah. So three things that you need to definitely know about when you're looking to research a stock. Mm-hmm. So the first one you need to know is, do you understand the business? Because mm-hmm. I think that's that's the most important thing. Because if you don't understand the business, you don't understand the risks involved with the business, you can't properly assess and you can't yeah, decide when to buy or when to sell, mm. right? So um, Peter Lynch, another successful investor, said that if you can't explain to a, a four-year-old uh, what the business is in two minutes or less, then you probably shouldn't own that stock. Mm. So I think that's quite important, understanding the business first so that you understand the risks involved. Then you need to understand the numbers behind it. And I think that's the scariest part for beginners, so in my video, I actually break it down into some of the metrics that you should look for mm. um, that tells you you know, how expensive is the company at the moment or how cheap it is and you know, whether it's a good price that you're paying for it. So understanding the valuation because you could have a fantastic business, but if you buy it at a really expensive price, you're not going to make good returns, right? Whereas if you buy a decent business at a really good price, you might make better returns than the really great business at an expensive price. So that's the difference between like ETF investing versus individual stock picking. ETF investing isn't about finding undervalued companies. It's about riding the general market trend. And, you know, you'd make your 6 to 8% a year because of that. Um, But individual stock picking can be a lot more rewarding but at the same time it could be a lot more um, unforgiving in that sense um, Mm -hmm. if you don't properly assess yeah a company and if you don't properly diversify Mm. and the third thing that I um, explain in that video is uh, you need to assess the management team so essentially the management team is the people that you're paying to run your business So you have to look at, for example, whether they have generated good returns on invested capital. If the number is below 15%, then um, that's not very good because 15% is the number that you double your money every five years. So um, anything above 15% is good. So in in that video, I go through um, A2 Milk and their 10-year invested uh, return on invested capital was roughly 18%. Not a recommendation to buy A2 Milk, by the way. <laughs> Just an example. Management team is important because, mm. um, yeah, they do run your company essentially. So that's some of the things that I talked about in that video to to sort of get your mind thinking about how you can assess a, com- a company, how you can research it, and does give a good framework, I think, if you're if you're new to investing yeah yeah definitely and i suppose like risk for example is a huge um well, a huge part of investing in general in terms of how much risk you're going to take mm. so for you personally what what are your thoughts around that and would you consider yourself to be more or less risk averse i i think i take the right level of risk mm. like i i definitely see a lot more people out there taking a lot more risk than i do and sometimes it can make me look conservative. But if you tell some other people that invest purely in ETFs, if mm. you tell them I have a twenty-five percent 
uh, of my portfolio in one company, they would they would be shooked. <laughs> they would, they be, would be. Yeah, but but at the same time, they probably don't you know have the same confidence when they're looking at individual companies, whereas I do. So yeah. personally, I don't see that as a big risk. Yeah. So yeah, I I think I'm more risk averse. Like I I don't take uncalculated risks if i do it'll be a really small percentage of my portfolio like sometimes there'll be those fun ones where i'm like okay let's just put one percent in there to see where it'll go but that's very rare and very few in between but yeah i think overall like i'm happy with the risk that i'm taking and at the end of the day i am still young yeah (laughs) i probably have another like 30 40 years of Mm. to retirement anyway so um happy to ride the you know the the train and happy to accept those volatilities in the market because um if you have time you, you i think you can afford to take more risk yeah well i guess that when people tell you all the time when it comes to investing you know you need to do your own research for your own personal situation like that's a good example of where things are personal to you like you might think compared to some people that you're being very conservative but to others you're risking it all so yeah yeah it just depends on what i think your knowledge base is around Mm. investing as a whole especially around individual companies um and that will determine where you put your money and what the investing experience looks like for you whether that's in majority individual stocks or yeah at the end of the day it is your portfolio so you Mm. have to be comfortable with it Totally. But I think, yeah, a good test is if you're able to sleep at night well yeah. and not have to worry about the daily fluctuations in your portfolio. That's that's probably a good indicator on how yeah. much risk you're willing to take. I think that's perfect. I actually had someone message me when I was talking about investing recently saying that 90% of their portfolio is individual stocks and 10% is uh, in funds. Um and they said the same thing. They're like, at the end of the, at the end of the day, like I'm, I can sleep at night knowing that there will be fluctuations in my portfolio. But that's like fine with me because I'm confident in what I've mm. done. Whereas other people would just hate that. What makes to you a good investment? I'm sure this is probably quite a broad question because there's lots of things that go into it. But generally, what do you sort of look for when you're thinking about what would be a good industry or share to invest in? company Mm, so i i like a good long-term investment Mm -hmm. um that i can acquire at a relatively good price Mm -hmm. so um going back to warren buffett (laughs) you might have noticed i quote him a lot but um yeah i've read a lot about him so one of his examples was that when he started investing he bought a lot of these cigar butts companies they call it a cigar butt company because it basically has only one puff left right you pick it up from the floor it's it's free but it has only one puff right so it's basically saying he buys those companies that are cigar butt companies essentially companies that are really unloved by the general market because for example business is just completely rubbish Mm. but it's so cheap it's really cheap but the business isn't great so he could easily make 50% on his investment um, if the market re-rates the company to uh, to its fair value because it's severely undervalued because it's unloved. Um, but, you know, over time, it might come back to its fair valuation and he'll make a lot of money. But the the thing is, I don't like those businesses because you always have to consistently 
um, look after that holding of yours, right? You have to constant, consistently monitor it because it's a bad company and time is against you. Mm. Like you give it 10 years, it might probably still be, it'll probably be a bad company still, right? Whereas if you invest in good companies at a fair price, which is what he does uh, more nowadays, he doesn't invest in cigar butt companies, he invests in good companies or compounders, whatever you want to call it, compounders essentially are great businesses that can consistently grow earnings over time. So mm-hmm. if you think about that, the you know time is on the side of the business. If you give it time, it'll, it'll do well. And a few companies like that exist on, on the NZX. So one that I can really think of is Fisher & Paykel Healthcare. They are growing... Um, quite consistently and more, even more with the uh, pandemic. But um, yeah, if you look at the track record of the company, that company has grew. It basically doubled every year. Mm. Oh, sorry, not every year, every five years. And that is the goal, right? They, they had a goal management explicitly states that they want to double every five years. So these are the companies that, uh, that I like to look for. Mm. And obviously I want to look for at a cheap price. Yeah, that's really good insight as well because I think it can be hard for people to know where to start um, and that's a really good um, tip for people because I, I think like, I have my own way that I'd go about looking into mm. what makes a good investment for me too but I think that's a really good way to look at it as well. And so can you share like an example of any successes or failures you've had over your time in investing? Yeah, so um, the first stock that I bought was the warehouse. Mm-hmm. So I got this stock in when I this was my first stock. So this was in 2015, and I basically bought this stock because I did a essay on uh, the warehouse in my year 13 accounting class where I had where we had to analyze a company. Yeah. So I analyzed the warehouse and. Based on my analysis, it was a good buy in 2013. That was in 2013. Okay. So then um, two years later, I had some money saved up from my part-time job. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you remember, before sharesies, the only way to buy stocks was either through ASB or direct broking. And fees were like $30 to buy and sell. So I made sure I saved quite a big chunk of money. So I bought 1,000 shares in the warehouse in 2015 at $2.69 per share. It was doing well at the start, but then it yeah, fell to like $2.10 around there because of fears that Amazon would come into Australasia and take all the retailers out. And I think competition from Australia was really strong as well. For example, Kmart. And um, yeah, that just destroyed the share price um, for the warehouse at the time. So I think two years after I bought it, I sold it for a loss. And even after collecting all the dividends, I still make a, made a loss. So I think the lesson there is that you, you need to not just look at the numbers. You need to understand, uh, yeah, the business and the risks involved, right? So I didn't fully understand the risks involved with e-commerce coming in and disrupting the industry. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a mistake that I've made in terms of successes. Had really good success with Somerset, so that was a really good stock for me for the public portfolio as well. I had stock in Somerset 
um, yeah, just understanding the business and finding the times where it was undervalued. Um, yeah, really did really well for me in the portfolio. Another one in the US was Fiverr. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you you know do you know Fiverr? Yeah. Yeah, the the marketplace for services. It's like Upwork, eh? Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, I really like the business. Mm-hmm. Saw a lot of marketing on YouTube, like YouTube is yeah. covering what you can get with like five dollars versus five hundred dollars sort of thing. So saw that it was a really powerful momentum, I guess, in terms of advertising. It was getting lots of views, so I'm like definitely good like ROI on their marketing spend and I looked at the numbers the platform the business model is just good it's really good like they essentially take money from every transaction right and the marginal cost of um, them providing the service is basically zero Mm. so I like those businesses um, businesses that take money for zero marginal cost so for example like uh NZX, the company itself, that would be something similar, just taking a fee for every transaction. Those are nice companies to have. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, so I saw that in Facebook and uh, in, in Fiverr, sorry. And um, yeah, got in at a really good price and yeah, up a lot of money on that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's so good to hear. And so I suppose around like a general process for someone who is interested in investing in individual stocks. You would say the process would be like work out what's in your circle of competence, mm. understand, and then like once you've worked that out, sort of look into what the industry might be and like really know your stuff and know the risks involved with it. Yeah. And also um, look at the management team as well. Management team. Mm. And then that's when you want to look at the numbers and try and find a good time to get in. Yeah. So numbers the numbers is probably like the most important bit. Mm. Yeah. As I mentioned, um, yeah, you can have a really good business, but if you pay a really expensive price for it, then you won't do well. Mm. So in, in some cases people work backwards. They, they look at the numbers first using some sort of filter, like a screening process, for example, to find, okay, companies that have a P ratio of below 15 times, then they would only look at that. But, I like to um, go from the, yeah, I like to go from top down. Yeah. So I look at companies, assess that, maybe compare it to other companies within that industry and then go from there, yeah. Okay, cool. And then I guess once you've made your decision, it's just about working how much, working out how much you're going to put into it. Yeah. So I think put in as much as you're confident in mm. yourself and uh, yeah, if you... If you're not so confident, then probably allocate a smaller chunk into it. Yeah. And yeah, the best um, the best thing to do is just to sit on it and just wait. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the hardest part sometimes. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, this has been great. I think the last thing I sort of want to um, ask you is why that why do you think investing in general is good for people? Yeah. So I think investing in general is probably good for everyone because it helps you fast track your your retirement right um if you don't make money in your sleep you're gonna die working so yeah you need some way to participate in the stock market and you know some people do this through property um because property values usually go up and 
yeah, it's bas- basically you're making money when you sleep, right? Mm. For most people, investing seems a bit scary because they don't know what's happening in it. And I mean, even if you don't pick individual stocks, at least invest in like an index fund that would return you six to eight percent mm. over the long term. And so, yeah, I think it's just one way that you can basically have a decent retirement, supplement your earnings from your income. And yeah, it's a way that you can also earn passive income through dividends. The more we invest in businesses as well, especially like locally, that would provide, um, you know, businesses with more capital to actually build businesses, provide better goods and services or increase competition in the marketplace, which is good for uh, consumers. Mm. And um, yeah, it'll it'll provide you with capital. So um, that's one of the other things that I guess like retail investors, we don't really see that because we just see ourselves owning a number in an app. But Mm. actually that is capital and um, it does help businesses um, when they do want to raise more capital. I guess for me, my goal, like individual stock picking, is to beat the market. Um, I don't want that 6 to 8% returns, and only I want like 15, 20, 25%. So that, that would fast track my retirement. I don't want to retire at 65. You know. yeah. Let us know your socials and where we can find you, get in touch, watch YouTube, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, like right now? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can find me on YouTube. Just search Joshua Wang, and that should be the first thing that comes up. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram as well at jwinvests. And um, yeah, I post there regularly on the videos that I make. So yeah, be sure to check it out. And uh, thank you for having me on here. Really enjoyed my time. No worries at all. Um, hopefully you'll see Josh some more since we're on a similar similar path, having both left corporate at the same time to go off and do our own thing. So who knows what the future holds, but... Yeah, hopefully we'll get to bring you back on at some stage. Yeah, I'm really excited to to see what happens and yeah, all the best as well on your yeah. journey. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at the One Up Project, and I'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>